Welcome to Civil Discourse. This podcast will use government documents to illuminate the workings of the American government and offer context around the effects of government agencies in your everyday life. And now your hosts, Nia Rogers, public affairs librarian, and Dr. John Augenbaugh, political science professor. Hey, Augie. Good morning, Nia. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm lovely. I've had the requisite amount of coffee. Um, uh um, Yep. So I'm raring and ready to go uh, to discuss uh, our topic today. And listeners, our topic today um, is something that probably many Western Westerners, Americans who live out West, are familiar. But for many of us who live on the, the East, East Coast, we're probably what are they talking about? And yeah, this topic, isn't a thing. Our topic today is the Colorado River Compact. So, okay, first of all, one should note that the Colorado River is long and big and yes, deep. Like it is not. It flows from the north central part of the state of Colorado the whole way down to Mexico. It is fed by a number of tributaries and smaller rivers as far north as Wyoming, as far north as Wyoming. And okay? there's and some parts of California are involved in it too. Like it's a big, yes. what are the states that are covered? Okay, the states that are covered by the compact uh, include Wyoming, Colorado, New Mexico, Utah, Nevada, Arizona, and California. Those are the seven. Okay. Those right. are the seven. The so compact, pretty much all of the Southern West yeah, the of Southwest the United States. States. Yeah. With the exception of Texas. And we could do a separate episode just on water issues <laughs> in the state of Texas. Right? Which we may get to at some point. <laughs> Uh, and, 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 and Texans would be quite pleased uh, by us dividing them out. I was going to say separating them, the secessionists that they are. Yes. Okay. Because, you know, they, they proudly claim that they are unique. Um, but um, the compact, which we will delve into the, the, the details uh, here in just a few moments, the compact divides those seven states into what they describe as an upper basin and a lower Colorado River basin. The upper basin is comprised of uh, uh, the states of Wyoming, uh, uh, Utah, New Mexico, and Colorado. The lower basin is comprised of the states of Nevada, Arizona, and California. And as we will discuss, Nia, what's really become an issue today is the increased use of the Colorado River waters by the lower basin or lower division states, okay? Nevada and Arizona. Uh, well, and also California, let's be very clear, right? Well, yeah, but I mean... <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, so I'm, I, I don't want to jump the gun with my thoughts on because I lived out west. I should, by the way, disclaimer, lived in Utah um, uh, for four years, the first time I tried to go to college. And the water rights out west are a incredibly divisive, political, like you just we have no idea in the east because water in the east is relatively easy yes. um and water in the west is not it is just yeah. not that easy it's not as plentiful it's not as simple a lot of states draw their water off the same rivers and so you have a lot of competition now i say all that and and of course at the bottom of the mississippi well at the on the tributaries of the mississippi and the missouri you have states like Georgia and Florida that also have similar problems, but nothing like out West. And part of that is, is that the West in the middle parts of it is a great big old desert. Yes. And I'm getting ahead of myself, but I fire no, Las be, Vegas. Be, 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 Las be, Vegas be. is a carbuncle on the face of the universe because it is a, it is a place in the desert that has to be watered at such a level to make it livable that uh, it's just incredible well anyway 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 so so let's start with the compact when did the compact get signed okay so the compact um was uh signed and ratified by the uh, signed by the seven states and ratified by the congress uh by in 1922 it's a hundred years old uh, uh, yes, it is. Um, uh, this year it will be uh, 100 years old. And, and listeners, please that's, note. That's pretty good to hold for that long. Yeah, and, and there are some tensions and pressure points that have arisen. <laughs> you think <laughs> with, in the last 100 years? <laughs> um, well, particularly in the last roughly 15 to 20. Okay. Ah, okay. Um, but listeners should note. Uh, uh, one very important process or structural element of what I just described. This is a compact among seven states. And according to the United States Constitution. Oh, right. It had to go yeah, through Congress. Yeah, oh, they couldn't right. just all get together, have a beer and decide this for themselves. Yeah, you're right. Nia. It had to okay. go through a process. Okay, that makes sense. I mean, that makes sense because what if a state hadn't wanted to be involved or didn't want to share or, or wanted a much bigger share or, or if they got left out? You know, you know, what if, you know, five or six <laughs> what if all the other states got together and said, don't tell Wyoming, but we're going to decide <laughs> what to do with the river. And Wyoming found out later, like a like one of those things where they have you have a party in high school and somebody yeah, finds you, out later they weren't invited and man yeah, the feelings you, hurt and yeah you come to school on monday and you find out that you know there was an awesome kegger at somebody's house where their parents were gone and God, yeah and all your friends got invited and you weren't oh, <laughs> but that would be bad in the united states federal constitution uh specifically uh uh, for those who like these details, Article 1, Section 10, Clause 3. It's known as the Compact Clause. And of course it, it is. It, it, every, every single clause in the Constitution has a name. It has a name. 
Um, and we've discussed this uh, in, in, in previous <laughs> At some point, we're going to do like five-part episode of just reading you the Constitution and telling you all the names of all the clauses. Clauses. Um, that's going to, by the way, uh, listeners, be the follow-up episode, episode or episodes to one that we've already have scheduled for this spring, <laughs> where we're going to talk about those things that are not in the Constitution. Yep. Um, um, things that were omitted, things that Americans believe are in the Constitution <laughs> that aren't. Right. <laughs> things that were but, proposed and didn't make it. Nah, yes. we don't need yeah. that in the Constitution. Yeah. So the Compact Clause basically states that no state in the country can enter into an agreement, a compact, if you will, with another state or a foreign power unless Congress approves it. So North Dakota and Canada cannot collude and in some sort of cross-border something. About moose, no. Without okay. running it by Congress first. Congress. Because okay. That doesn't necessarily mean that Congress won't say, go on with your bad selves and worry about your moose the way you... Yeah, the way God it, intended. Okay, and it, this 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 particular clause uh, addressed a deficiency in the Articles of Confederation. After the Revolutionary War, in the Articles of Confederation, you had states entering into agreements with Great Britain or France or Spain. Oh. Like Texas and and Spain for over Mexico and the so border over and Mexico, the river. right? Oh, uh, okay. So you had this situation. You can't be having that because then <laughs> does I mean then federal things might come into conflict with well, it. Other yeah, states it, might come into conflict with it. Yeah, and 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 you also had states working with other states to exclude other states, you know? <laughs> so. The state of Nia and the state of Augenbaugh talk about the state of Newman behind their back. Yeah, right, okay. And, you know, and decide they're gonna only trade yeah. with each other. And we won't trade with, you know, the state of Newman, right? Right. And, you know, the state of Newman's like, but I'm, I, 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 I'm, I'm part of your nation. Right. Well, you are, except for, in these particular you know, parts where we don't care about you. Yeah, yeah right. No, okay. Now my feelings are hurt. And frankly, coming back to the clause. So I, I shall warn um, listeners that I've suddenly developed an interest in Lord of the Rings. Um, okay. I'll be watching the movies with friends over the next few weeks because uh, apparently they're three hours each. And so you just sort of, uh, but anyway, the, so we needed one government to rule them all, <laughs> right? We need, because, because otherwise the states could get exactly what you're talking about. I never even thought about that, but the idea that Texas could make a treaty or a, or a compact, is there a difference between a compact and a treaty or are they essentially the same thing? Well, the compacts like treaties are considered the supreme law of the United States. So right, if, but is is a compact the same thing as a treaty? I know they're different words, so probably they're not exactly the same. Well, you, you, I understand that 
treaties by definition are one nation state entering into an agreement with another sovereign nation state. Oh, so between states you have compacts and between nations you have treaties. Treaties, yes. Gotcha, okay. Yeah, that's, the, the, that's a good shorthand way to understand the difference between a compact and a treaty. Okay. Okay. Now, most of the compacts in the United States pre-20th century, pre-1900s, uh, were about um, uh, border disputes, right? Oh, we okay. two states agree that this is where the border is. Yes. And we have um, made a compact to make a square state, Wyoming, I'm looking at you, in the middle of everything. <laughs> Although, and, and so, okay. 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 That makes sense. And and I know that out West, a lot of the lines are drawn sort of ridiculously straight in order, like they were just drawn on a map that way. They're not, they may or not, may or may not take into account the running of a river or yes. a mountain in the middle of that straight line. Oh, half the mountains in, in one state and half the mountains in another state. Whereas in the, in the East, you get a lot more craggy. The states are more craggy, except yeah, I mean, except it, that weird line between North Carolina and Virginia that's utterly straight for no apparent reason. Yeah, and if you've ever you know driven on Route 58 in Southern uh, Virginia, uh, you will recognize how darn straight the border is between <laughs> Virginia and, yeah. North, and, North and that it makes and it makes no reasonable sense. But anyway, <laughs> okay, so so we they enter into, into this. So we, we move into the 20th century, and that's where you begin to see more states um, having disputes and then entering into agreements about the use of resources, right? Particularly, okay. you know, water or public transportation infrastructure. Um, you even have some compacts early in the 20th century in regards to uh coal mines um uh, uh oral um wells and reserves okay so these become if you they, they kind of sort of change nature and the colorado river compact really reflects this because it was the seven states coming together because they all recognize the importance of that river to their states, to their states. Um, well, I would think and, that, uh, sorry, um, yeah, go for ahead. just a minute, I'm hung up on the territory dispute. I would think that it, that would need to be settled and done. Like, do you live in Nevada or do you live in California, right? Like you need to know because government structures, because of the way we structure things like voting and distribution of yeah, political cultures and political those kinds cultures, of things. Political culture is different in states. Right. And, and so and, you would want so, to know where. So once that gets settled, I'm imagining that, like, for instance, it, if Virginia right now decided you know, we're really still pretty annoyed about this West Virginia thing. So we're just going to take it back. Because if, if you can see earlier episodes we talked about during the Civil War, West Virginia was like, no, 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 no. We don't, no, 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 no. We don't want to be part of Virginia. And they cracked off and went off to be their own craggy special 
state, right, shaped wise. But if Virginia was like, no, no, we want to go all the way to the Ohio border. We're going to take West Virginia back. West Virginia would be like, uh, no, thank you. We don't want to be part of Virginia. And that would cause huge drama. So I can understand why once the borders get settled, they stay settled. Yeah. But, but it, I, but I think move- it alludes to your earlier illusion, because you hadn't yet made the full point, that development is what drives yes. the resources um, issues, yeah, right? Because- if, if we just stopped growing, like, all cities in the United States, like, that's it, birth rate zero, death rate zero, which I don't know how you'd do that. But if you did do that, you wouldn't have resource issues like because the way the resources are currently um divided would be fine yeah because many scientists will go ahead and tell you that scarce resources yes there might be exploration you might find new resources but by and large we're at a point in regards to what is available on earth we pretty much know right right? You know, we know how much water there is. We know how much fossil fuel exists. We know how much we can go ahead and extract uh, in terms of energy from, you know, uh, non uh, or renewable sources like the sun or the wind. We know, for instance, with, with, with stunning accuracy, how much food we can actually produce in most land on earth i mean we're at that point now right right although climate change is okay but that's alter that and affect that but but and and that's one of those variables we're going to get to nia right in regards to the colorado uh uh, river oh i'm jumping all ahead okay 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 So, so so when the compact was agreed to basically what the compact did was make sure that the states in the upper basin, okay, um, again, Colorado, Utah, Wyoming, okay, um, and New Mexico, in New Mexico, okay, had but Arizona's problems. a Stradley, yes, and at one point Arizona was considered in the upper, now it's considered part of the lower, right? <laughs> um, in Arizona has created a number of issues with the compact um, and we can touch upon those if you want but the promise the explicit promise underlying the compact was the upper basin states would not overuse the colorado river they wouldn't use it up before it got to the lower basin yeah to to get to the to the the lower basin and they wouldn't dam it up they wouldn't like do all the things that you would do to prevent water flow right because it's measured in the flow of the river is measured in what uh they go by um uh million million acre per foot every year is how they 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 measure it in okay. acre feet, acre right? feet, and... acre feet per year. Okay. Okay. But but Nia, you actually get to again, 
and I know you're not intending to do this, you're actually getting to one of the more significant issues today. The compact is written in regards to the amount of available water in 1922. There is less available water. I was going to okay. say, is it more or less than what's available now? <laughs> okay. It is less available now, but you have more use, great, you know, more uses of the Colorado River today in terms of population, land development, farming, okay? And this is a big one. Again, for those of us here in, on the East, you might be like, yeah, 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 whatever recreational sports needs okay i was just going to ask you about that because i'm assuming that in 1922 not a lot of rafting not a lot of tubing not a lot of people having boats on the various lakes jet ski probably not a lot of that because yes first of all 1922 most of that wasn't just wasn't had not been engineered yet but yes. also you're talking about i think people have no idea how much wealthier even the poorest Americans are now than the poorest Americans in 1922. Yes. Just in terms of, of acquisition of, of goods, right? Like in 1922, you're talking about most people not owning things the way we own them now. Most families, if they owned a car, had one. They, and many families did not own a car, right? They did not own motorized tractors. They didn't own all the things that we have. And then if you're talking about just regular people, people didn't do the leisure things that we do now because they were busy scrapping out a life. Yes. And the vast majority of people in, those, in that time that lived out West lived on farms. So you're not talking about, you're talking about a daily grind that is one of those things where if you don't do it, you don't eat. So, you, you know, this there, idea that you would have days of leisure time that you could pop off to the lake and hang out on your boat is like completely foreign concept to 1922. You don't see the rise of the leisure sector of the American economy until well after World War II. I was going to say, wouldn't it have been in the boom of the late 40s okay. and 50s? I mean, there was so little of that before World War II that the federal government didn't track it as a sector of the nation's economy. Now, okay, I mean, with the exception of the Great Recession of 2007 to 2009, um, but even with the pandemic, the leisure economy has taken a hit, the leisure sector of the economy. But it's still, I mean, historically from the 1940s and 50s until you know today, it was one of the fastest growing sectors of the American economy. So to your point, Ania, uh, okay, again, we have very short you know, memories in the United States because you know what, poor people or lower middle class people today can do in regards to leisure. 
is greatly expanded compared to what we saw pre-World War II. Right. Greatly expanded. So, but let's get back to the compact, right? So, the compact by and large worked pretty well according to most of the historical accounts I read, and I read well over a dozen, okay? Throughout the 1930s, 40s, and into the 1950s. Can, what begins to change? Wait, wait, can, before we go away for him, from him, can we just mention the name of the attorney that came up with this idea? Because his name is Delph Carpenter, D-E-L-P-H, yes. Delph yes. Carpenter, which I just want his name to be to go down in history because one, that's an awesome name. Yes. But two, it was basically one guy who was like, you know what we ought to do? We ought to manage this dang thing. Yes. And yeah, he, he had it, a prominent role in almost every historical account I read in doing the research for this episode. So if you're wondering if one person can affect it huge can change, turns yes. out, yeah, yes. they yes. can because this isn't water for millions of people. Like this is, yeah. Uh, you know, and he was like, we need to find a way to manage this fairly so that everybody gets a share in the good years and the bad years. And even then they had recognized that there are good years and bad years as far as drought and that kind of thing. Although we're entering a lot more bad years, I think. Um, yeah, in, in, in one of the more important features of the compact is the measurement of the water usage in each of the states is based on a 10-year average. Okay. Okay. So the states in the lower basin, for instance, can put pressure on the states in the upper basin if the 10-year water amount available in usage figures change. Well, that's become again a significant issue in the last 20 years because of two variables. One, climate change leading to drought conditions in the West. And then two, okay, until this most recent census, some of our fastest growing states are actually part of the compact. Oh, California. California, Nevada, Arizona, and New Mexico are all or were fast growing states. Okay. Okay. Wyoming, not so much. Utah, <laughs> not so much. Colorado, pretty fairly consistent population growth. But the other states, particularly the lower basin states, in the 19th, you know, post World War II, 1950s, 60s, 70s, 80s, again, until the most recent census. Because California has actually lost, you know, lost some people. Okay, yeah, they moved to Texas. Yeah, and, and and by the way, it wouldn't surprise me in 2030 if Wyoming actually gained a seat or two in the House. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay, but nevertheless, but think about Nevada. I mean, you described it, Nia. Post yes. World War, post World War Two. Okay, Nevada. And parts of California were viewed as places for returning GIs, particularly those GIs who served in the Asian 
Theater, okay, the Southeast, Southeast Asian Pacific Theater of World War II, they returned to the United States. And the thought was, let's give them some place to go as they return from the war. And as you pointed out, there are parts of Nevada, huge parts of California, huge parts of, for instance, Arizona, that are desert. I mean, remember folks, Arizona, yes. Arizona is the home of the Grand Canyon. Right. Okay. <laughs> okay. Which in case you haven't seen it in pictures, is kind of deserty. <laughs> um, so I'm just going to side note here with something that I, I just, it's, I'm only going to take a couple minutes, but I'm going to bitterly state that Las Vegas would not exist except for the complete human intervention and contravention of nature. Yes. It's, it, it is watered into existence. And if it was cut off from its water supply or cut down in its water supply, it would dry up and cease to exist. Those giant fountains at the Bellagio are beautiful and they are an abomination in terms of- Oh, environmentally, they're, they're right. a huge waste of water. I right. Mean, let, let's, it, it, Las Vegas is a huge environmental hole into which lots of things are thrown, right? Because the amount of power that it uses, the amount of water that it uses, and it is literally a city in the middle of a desert. Like it just doesn't, and people, I, mean, I know, and, and, I get and, it. And, and, like and everything I, that I, happens in Vegas stays in Vegas and people I, love I, Vegas. I like Vegas. I was just going like to say that, Nia. I have gone to Vegas a number of times, okay, particularly for the gambling. Um, but just heating and cooling. Right. Most parts of Nevada is a huge drain environmentally. Right. Because um, what, what people in the East don't know if they've never been to a desert is in the middle of the day, it's quite hot and you need to cool things down. And in the middle of the night, it is quite cool and you need to warm things up because that's how yes. deserts work. It's because there's no tree coverage to hold the, we can talk about that forever, but we're not going to. But all I'm saying is that if, if the river begins to dry up, the first thing that needs to happen is Vegas needs to shut down, which will never happen because Americans love Vegas because they've romanticized Vegas. And, well, and, and listeners also, you might want to consider this. One of the reasons why um, Nevada was considered important for inclusion as one of the 50 states was because of the projection that it was the home of a lot of, of um, uh, minerals, okay? Right. Um, you know, the idea of Las Vegas does not occur until after World War II. So why else would you go ahead and create a state, okay, um, that was basically uh, a, a kind of sort of pie in the sky utopia for dreamers who thought, if I moved to Vegas, I might find X mineral and I might be able to strike it rich. Right, which is why Carson City is the capital and not 
not and Las not Vegas. Las Vegas. People <laughs> think Las Vegas or Reno are the capitals. They are not. Carson City is the capital. And then part of it is because of where mining is done in Nevada and other things. I'm sorry, I just had a moment there, but but I'm not saying that Nevada doesn't deserve water. No, 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 no. It no, no, does. No. I just, I just, it just is. You know, Phoenix is another city that is created out of the desert, and those are things that you have to decide how much, how much human intervention. Like that was great idea when there was plentiful water in the river, but now as I think you are getting ready to tell us, there is not so plentiful water in the river, right? Yeah. It's, it's um, water amounts have dropped. So before the West began to suffer what many scientists are referring to as historic drought conditions, right? So the way scientists frequently distinguish drought conditions is is this a short-term drought, even if it's a severe, versus a long-term drought, which has accumul cumulative effects? Right. What's going on out West in the last roughly 15 to 20 years is the latter, not the former. Right, because every year your crops get drier and drier. It's not your land gets drier and drier. It's not like one year where it's just terrible, but then you get rainfall and it replenishes. Yes, it's ten years of incremental drying out. Yes, which would take a ten-year rainfall to fix. Yeah, so even though this winter, um, uh, the West Coast has had a number of drenching winter storms. Now, short term, hey, that's a positive, but the West is gonna need easily another five, six, seven years of that kind of drenching winter weather to make up for what they've encountered over the last 15 to 20 years. Right, because what you get is runoff. What you get is when you have extreme rain, it doesn't soak into the ground because the ground's too dry, so it runs off. You need several years of rain to soften the ground so it'll accept more so, water and then bring it so back the to the... water table rises. Right. And it better allows, okay, those states to be able to accommodate future needs, future droughts, etc. Exactly. It's a, very, it's a very delicate balance. And we're probably, and he and I are probably not doing it. Oh, the environmentalists who listen to this are <laughs> screaming and crying right now. And we yeah. apologize because we're not doing anywhere near justice to what the entire cycle yes. does. But what we were trying to get across to you listeners is um, as the, as the amount of water goes down in the river if that's a one-year thing, everybody can adjust and it's fine. Well, it's not fine, but it, it's livable. But it, as a as a ten or fifteen-year cycle, that's damaging the river in ways that may never it may never fully recover. Because you at one point were mentioning that that when you don't have enough water in the river, you change the ecosystem of the river, like you change. 
the in, temperature in, in, of the river you change the living things in the river like fish and turtles and whatever else all the things that depend on that those the, all of that ecosystem changes and and those are in in, in Nia, you just mentioned another one of the concerns about the colorado uh uh, uh, uh river basin um environmentalists have chronicled all kinds of changes to the ecosystem. Um, there are species that used to be plentiful that are now scarce or are now endangered, if not like, you know, non-existent. Um, um, you're also beginning to see um, uh, some states uh, contemplating some rather drastic measures uh, to stay in compliance with the compact. So, you know, California basically in the compact relied upon surplus Colorado River water. Ah. Okay, because if, again, if you look at a map of the Colorado River basin, the Colorado River doesn't flow directly into the state of California. Okay, and again, if you pull up the map, you will go ahead and see that the Colorado River basically goes through Colorado, uh, what, um, uh, the, the southern portion of Utah um, is in Arizona for a, a long period of time, and then it flows down to Mexico. So the two states that really rely indirectly on the Colorado River are Nevada and California. Unfortunately, as we've already discussed, the two states whose development, okay, has drained the most water from the Colorado River are Nevada and California. In California, you know, in the 19, 40s, 50s, and 60s were a frequent target for complaint and even led to a lawsuit that went the whole way to the Supreme Court because Arizona was complaining that Colorado that California was taking too much water from the Colorado River Basin. And it, it, and it led to, and you know, not a lot of creativity uh, in, in the name of the case. Uh, the, the name of the case was Arizona versus California, uh, and it was decided in 1963. But nevertheless, so you're talking about, and I'm going to try to summarize this, um, the, the, the issues or the variables affecting the Colorado River Compact. Okay, one, a compact that had fixed assumptions about the amount of water in the Colorado River Basin. Those fixed assumptions are no longer accurate because of development, farming, population growth. Okay. And changes in the river. Okay, changes in the river. I mean, climate, the amount, the flow. Okay, climate change. Yeah. Okay, so put this all together right now, Nia, and 
the Colorado River Compact, okay, if this was, you know, a, 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 a rubber band? Of, uh, well, yeah, a rubber band is, is an, a very apt, if you will. I'm sorry, uh, listeners cannot see, but Augie is moving his hands the way you would move them if you were stretching a rubber, a rubber band, band, which is what made me think. So I'm assuming that it will at some point snap because... And, and there's that's only what, so much give in in a rubber band. That's and then that's right. And in almost every, if you will, current piece of scholarship I read in preparation for this episode has said the compact is beginning to stretch well beyond what it's probably capable of being able to maintain. And when it breaks, somebody's going to lose an eye. One of the states is going to lose an eye. I'm <laughs> yeah, just saying. Yeah, yeah. That's what my mom used to say to us when we were trying to stretch rubber bands too much. Be careful. Um, somebody might lose an eye, right? Somebody might lose an eye. So, so <clears throat> I, I know this is a, a political question. I'm going to ask you because you're a poly guy. Okay. Can Colorado just say, yeah, we're, we don't care. We're not sharing the river. Um, we are going to use as much as we dang well please and the rest of y'all can eat dirt because of the terms of the compact and other federal laws international treaties court decisions etc colorado does not have that authority ah and That's what I'm too talking bad. We're going to take is, our we're going to take our river and go home. <laughs> yes, right. You know, we're at a playground. I don't like how you're playing the game or you're winning, so I'm going to go ahead and take <laughs> my bat and ball home. Okay, right. I'm taking my yeah. river and I'm going. I'm going up well in the mountains like, and I'm going to hide it. <laughs> yeah. See how well you you like the Colorado River Basin uh, when you no longer have access to it. And what I'm referring to is the law of the river. And again, okay. if you've ever lived out West, yep. okay, they talk about the law of the river and it is this huge conglomeration of, you know, compacts, federal laws, international treaty. I mean, let's face it, folks. Because this ends in Mexico and this ends in Mexico. Mexico depend on the river too. Particularly like the Western part of Mexico, which again, much like the Western part of the United States is dry. Is is dry okay you had something in your notes which i wanted to mention um before we wrap up which is that or i know uh is that the river the flow of the river has dropped 20 percent yes since the since this treaty was first negotiated yeah, this compact the compact was entered into or, sorry yep. this compact was negotiated sorry you you um so that strikes me as it's time to renegotiate the compact. Is there, I, I assume that that comes up on a regular basis. Hey, we need to renegotiate this thing because it's not, it's not serving people's needs. Some states, particularly in the upper basin, um, have called for it. Not surprisingly, the states in the lower basin, particularly California, Nevada, are like, yeah, we're not interested. I mean, because again. Oh, because they might be cut lower. They might have to impose draconian 
water conservation um, measures in those states. And nobody wants to do that politically. Oh, my goodness, no. Oh, my goodness, no. Yep. So can I just mention Lake Powell and Lake Mead? Oh. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. When you see pictures of them right now, Oh, it is. It they is are sad. Yeah, like, it's, it's okay, terrible. So what happens for people who are who have never been to a lake that is surrounded by um, cliff, basically, is that you can see the line of of where the water normally is. Right. You can see the because water does a does this thing with cliffs where it cuts in a little bit and and it changes the color of the of, of the, the rock. Um, of the rock and and you can see physically see the drop in the lakes because you can see the distance of water that is no longer covering where it was covered before and it is scary and it's not just a little bit it's it's huge like it's Mm -hmm. a huge drop yes and they have cut out um uh recreational stuff in the like they're trying to conserve it as much as they can but this is a real this is a real problem this is really scary for if you want to know how scary this is go right now and look up a picture of lake powell or lake mead and you will find because everywhere on the internet you will find what it was 20 years ago and what it is now like you'll be able to see those pictures easily and, and for our listeners here on the East Coast, I caution you not to go ahead and think about this in terms of, well, you know, that's just something that's going on out West. You got to remember, mm-hmm. okay, a huge amount of our agricultural output right. <laughs> comes from color or comes from California. Right. Right. And, and, more and more Arizona. Arizona's doing a lot of our lettuces and spinach, a lot of our greens. So if those folks don't have access to water, okay, if you're not liking the increase in grocery prices (laughs) because of the pandemic. um, Just wait, it gets better. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, for all of you people who want an excuse not to eat salad, you're about to have one. <laughs> yeah, 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 right. <laughs> I, I shouldn't. It's not a joking matter, but it is. It, it is, is something pretty serious. to keep in, in yes. mind. What is it? Something like 80% of the world's almond crops come out of California. Yes. And yep. almonds are a very thirsty crop. So, yes. Um, so, and one, yeah. And, 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 the, and they are a, a great source of, you know, protein and other nutrients you know, uh, I don't know about your, you know, <laughs> primary care physician, but mine is for years gone ahead and said, Augie, you need to eat more almonds. I'm just like, what, am I supposed to have them in every single meal? He goes, well, it's not a bad idea, but you know, hey, three or four times a week. I'm like, really doc, right? But they are a thirsty crop, okay? They are a thirsty crop. And so are avocados. Yes. Um, yes. Uh, which are an exceptionally good fat. Yes. For people uh, in diet wise, right? Like, so there's lots of good reasons to have those things, but they are thirsty crops. Um, and then there's, of course, greens and the washing of greens and all that other kind of yeah. stuff. So, yeah, the, the, it, 
So do you think that it will be renegotiated? I'm now I'm going to put you on the spot and ask you a, po- a political thing. Will um, it be renegotiated I, at some point? Um, will somebody I, sue and it go to the Supreme Court? I don't know if they will sue, but I think at some point in time, the congressional delegations of the states that comprise the compact will probably make a whole bunch of noise in Congress about how the compact needs to be renegotiated. So if state officials can't agree to make some significant changes, it would not surprise me to see the delegations in the House and the Senate, in particular from the upper basin states, because the upper basin states are like, you know, we have to comply with the compact, but the compact assumed a certain amount of water, and we're not the ones who are draining the water from the Colorado River Basin. It's the states in the lower part, okay, who are. Okay, so just to give listeners a a quick um, uh, note here, um, the current levels established, the current allotments were established in 1948. Yes. And so they are that the upper basin gets 7.5 million acre feet per year and the lower basin gets 7.5 acre million acre feet. Right. So it's divided between the upper basin and the lower basin. Lower basin. And the upper basin, Colorado gets 51 percent of that. Um, And Utah gets one percent and Wyoming gets 14 percent and New Mexico gets 11% and then Arizona gets a tiny little amount, right, of the upper basin. But then when you look at the lower basin, now remember that is half of the river. That's that's only three states. California, which gets 58% of it. Arizona gets 37% of it. And Nevada gets 4% of it. So I shouldn't pick on Nevada because I really are. No, but but again, you know, but, but... But if you're thinking about half, California gets half of half of the river. That's a lot of the river. I mean, they get a quarter of the river just by themselves. So, And and not surprisingly, Mia, the arguments made by Colorado and Nevada, for instance, for resisting any renegotiation of the compact is, well, look at all the economic activity we generate. Right. <laughs> yeah, because lots of people ski in Colorado. <laughs> and now lots of people who go there on um, pot vacations. Um, but yeah, so, oh, sorry, Utah gets 23%, not 1%, gets 23%. 23%. But, but anyway, it's, it's yes. I mean, if California is getting roughly 25% of the river, that's a considerate that's a that is something that people in the east need to think about because yes. if that goes down enough that will affect food supply in the united states states yes yep so here to scare you but also to give you hope because um the because just as, there just, have been improvements in agriculture that over the years have made thirsty crops less thirsty um, so there are ways that that people are managing the water better and using the water better. And now environmentalists are all over it about trying to figure out how to fix the ecosystems in the river. 
Um, and, and remember too, listeners, I know we're the last part of this episode, we've been a, a, a little bit sober <laughs> um, uh, in our discussion of, uh, of the compact. But just as these seven states came together to negotiate the compact, it is possible for them to come back together and say, okay, what do we need to do to maintain the river uh, in the river basin? Um, and, you know, a lot of this stuff was man-made. Right. So it's not easy to change, but because human beings perhaps cause some of the problems, perhaps human beings can come together and say, well, how do we, change our behaviors, right? Um, so, um, and I know that kind of sort of sounds, um, you know, a glass half full, but I remind students all the time in my classes, if we passed a law that created unanticipated consequences, we can do what? We can fix change, it. we can fix it, okay? And you know how we do that? Through civil discourse. Of course, you come together and you talk, right? <laughs> and okay. you work out. You, yeah, you, you work it out, right? You complain and you get grumpy with each other and then and you, you know, work and it you out. Recognize and recognize the, the trade-offs and, you right. know, occasionally you point fingers across the table, but afterwards you sit down and you say, how do we maintain this? Because this is a valuable, scarce resource. Right. Water out west is like gold. Okay, and I know listeners have heard me and Nia say this in other episodes, but water. And, uh, it's more. It's more valuable than anything else. Yeah, I mean, uh, it really, it's more yes. valuable than oil. It's more valuable than, than gold. It's, it's j just under value in terms of your family. Yes, like that's how that works, right? Yep. Um, but um, you know what? And the Rolling Stones have a song. You can't always get what you get want. What you want, but you, but sometimes, sometimes you get what you need. What you need, <laughs> and that's what they'll they may have to do with with reworking this this uh, compact. Thank you, Augie. This sure. is a this is an interesting um, thing for people in the East Coast to just think about and be aware of, and be aware of the stressors of our friends in the West and what they what they go through. Um, I will link the compact. Um, and I will do my best to find a good map and link to that so that people can actually get a really good idea of what's covered here. Um, and, uh, and we'll talk to you soon. All right. Sounds good. You've been listening to Civil Discourse, brought to you by VCU Libraries. Opinions expressed are solely the speaker's own and do not reflect the views or opinions of VCU or VCU libraries. Special thanks to the Workshop for Technical Assistance. Music by Isaac Hobson. Find more information at guides.library.vcu.edu slash discourse. As always, no documents were harmed in the making of this podcast.